0: That's going to bode well for rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud. And I love it the most because that's something the previous two franchise quarterbacks didn't necessarily have.
1: Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast for Friday, July the 21st. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on Twitter, at JT underscore Runky. JT, happy Barbenheimer Day. How you doing?
2: Happy Barbenheimer Day. I am excited. We've finally reached the peak of 2023. I, I can't, I'm, I'm. The summer Just, of cinema comes I'm so to excited. a roaring close. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Mission Impossible yet or anything else. I don't know. Is there anything after Barbie and Oppenheimer? The Mission that's...
1: Impossible, I think, is it's not this weekend, but next. Like it's. I think it's, it's right... already out. Oh, is it already out? Okay, either so. way. I knew but, it was right around yeah, the same either time.
2: Either way, um, excited seeing Oppenheimer at the opry mills which is one of like the 30 theaters that actually have like the 600 pound 70 millimeter film uh saturday that digital nonsense yeah Yeah. no super excited for that um that'll be fun but i still do not have uh still do not have any tickets for barbie so i need to get on i need what are you
1: doing get on that yeah i'm seeing bar i'm seeing barbie friday night and then oppenheimer with you uh saturday night we're seeing it at 11 by the way which means we're going to be in the theater till two in the morning because it's a three-hour movie that'll be fun (laughs) um i was telling you before the show i was reading the rotten tomatoes scores for it and basically every negative critics review the gist of it was yeah i didn't i was kind of just too dumb to know what was going on like i just they were talking about big science words and stuff and i i couldn't understand what they were talking about which sounds like a skill issue like just be smarter i guess i don't know um, but yeah, they 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 should be good. I've heard nothing but good things from the few folks that have already seen both movies. So if if people are listening to this show, like, what are you talking about? Man, you gotta get out from under your rock, man. This is the cultural moment of the year. Barbie and Oppenheimer, go see them, preferably within 24 hours of one another, because they uh they complement each other so well. It's it's the yin and the yang. Um, we are gonna talk some football today. Got kind of a potpourri of topics. I've got something I want to discuss in the warm-up. And then we've got some Titans news to get through, some news topics I want to give some thoughts on. And then we conclude our AFC South preview series today, JT, with an interview talking about the Houston Texans. We, uh, we're bringing in a guy that I, we met for the first time for this interview, John Hickman. He's the host of the Locked On Texans podcast. Had a great talk with him about the Texans, which was kind of different from the talk we had with um, our hosts for the Colts. And the Jaguars in the sense that it's just a team in a different place than those two organizations. Um, and so there's a lot of moving parts, you know, new head coach, new quarterback, new cornerstone defensive player, um, a, a lot of fresh faces. I think it's a fascinating team and one that this year, maybe this is the sicko in me, and maybe it's the person who, you know, my job is to cover the Titans in the AFC South, but. I think they're going to be actually intriguing to watch this year for the first time in a long time. Am I crazy for thinking the Texans are going to be an interesting watch this year?
2: I mean, they kind of were interesting last year, were they not? Like, bit, even, yeah. even if they weren't really good, like, they were in every almost every game that they played. Like, they were Pesky. giving teams runs for their money, and this year with a better kind of offensive group and i think the defense is coming along with a new head coach massive upgrade that, that actually coach. wants yep. to be there and is not actively trying to to destroy the organization <laughs> not the organization
1: the bird on the way out the door yeah. um
2: I, I think i think they're just going to be more fun to watch
1: yeah no i agree um let's start with the warm-up today though today's warm-up is this the most, and this is this is a thought brought on by the Rand Carthen waking up from his summer vacation or slumber or whatever the the NFL personnel department to do in the months of June and July coming back to work, hips hips hip fire shooting from the hip. I, I almost said hips ablaze. That would have been a new one. Um, guns ablaze shooting from the hip is what I combined. I think, but he comes back and not quite officially made two splashy moves, but one. Officially and one unofficially, I'd imagine by the time this comes out or by the end of the weekend, it's probably going to be official moves to make this team better. And the thought is this, the most important thing about the addition of DeAndre Hopkins and probably likely at this point, George Fant is not what they mean for this team's ceiling. It's the margin for error that it affords them. So let's talk about this. We've talked all summer and spring, JT, about the significant list of unknowns on this team, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, right? What made it such an interesting team to talk about throughout the offseason was there's so much we don't know and so many different ranges of outcomes for so many different players and, and personnel on this team. Just to name a few, Traylon Burks. Can he be that volume wide receiver one? That's been the question all summer. Kyle Phillips. We saw what he's capable of, but can the dude stay healthy? And if so, what kind of role does he fill in uh, on this offense? Conquo, we've been talking about him not so much as an unknown, um, but that's us editorializing. In reality, he still has not proven what we are very confident in our expectations for him, but he's not done it yet, so there's an unknown element there. Tajay Spears, rookie, running back, electric, factory in college, really flashed some things in OTAs some promising looks when we got to see him as they started to install this new offense and so unknown as to what kind of impact he would have on the offense what kind of versatility he would add Andre Dillard former first round pick has all the tools that you need to be a a competent tackle in this league but is he going to be a good left tackle based on his track record in Philadelphia, the jury's really out, right? We don't know. There's a real gamble there. Nicholas Petit-Friere started last year promising for a third-round rookie offensive lineman at at a tackle position, then kind of fell flat at the end of the year and ended up having, on on the whole, a pretty bad season. What would he do from year one to year two? Would he make that leap? Daniel Brunskill, Versatile guy has some experience, less of an unknown in terms of a track record. But what would he look like shoring up this offensive line? Would he fit in well? Peter Skaronski. We talked all draft season about how this guy is definitely the the safest offensive lineman in this draft. If you pick him, we really saw no floor below competent starter for for a long NFL career. Like we thought that's what he's going to be, and I, I still do think that. But he is a rookie. And he's going to be playing a position that should be easier than the position he played in college, moving from tackle to the interior as a guard. But it is a new position. What would he look like there? Unknown. And then Tim Kelly, brand new offense, brand new offensive coordinator, brand new terminology for this team to learn. What would that look like? What, what permutations could that present itself as? And what does it change about what we think we know about certain guys such as Derek Henry and Ryan Tannehill, right? that's that is just scratching the surface of the litany and I, I just named one, two three four five six seven eight nine of the eleven offensive starters um and, and Tim Kelly, the offensive coordinator. So that being said, what what was the plan like let's let's go back and think about what the plan was going to be with each of these guys. If they didn't pan out because that's, you know, I just named 10 big question marks going into the season. We've talked all summer long about how on the on the majority of these, we have good reason to believe that there's there's a good chance that they pan out, that they work. Maybe they don't hit their ceiling in terms of trail and Brooks becoming, you know a a top 10 top five receiver in the entire league. Maybe Peter Skronsky isn't the best guard known to man but we, we felt like they would be at worst competent that they would work out for this team, that they wouldn't be a, a net negative player on the field. But with 10 big question marks like this, we just, you have to know from experience that every year there's going to be an optimistic and a, and a pessimistic outlook on each big question mark for a team. And while the fan, you know, I think the natural fan incentive is to think that they'll all work out. It's just, it's just not reality. It's not, feasible for all 10 of these things to work out. I can almost, not almost, I will guarantee you that of the 10 things I listed, at least one of these people or players will have a season that is really a bummer. That is really forgettable. Maybe an, an active detriment to the team. You know, maybe Andre Dillard is, is really, really a problem all year long. Not, not to the level that the left tackle was last year, but certainly not the upgrade that people were wanting you know, one, maybe one of these star skill players gets hurt again. Maybe Traylon Burks or Kyle Phillips can't stay on the field again. And then you have significant long-term durability concerns. Maybe Tim Kelly, his offense just doesn't jive with this personnel group. Like, we don't know, but I will say that I'm confident at least one of these things won't work out. So what was going to be the backup plan for each of these guys? Let's take the skill players, right? Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips, and to a lesser extent, Chica Conquo if and when one of or a couple of these guys didn't pan out the way that the Titans were expecting them to pan out, what was the backup plan? Like, if Traylon Brooks couldn't be your, he proved incapable of either staying on the field or being on the field and being a productive boundary receiver, an outside receiver, what was the plan, JT? It was Nick Westbrook-Akine, come on down. Like, that that was the backup for a big-bodied, boundary receiver you you're not putting Kyle Phillips out there I don't think you want to put Chris Moore out there not not a very big guy rocking with Colton Dowell seventh round rookie like scary concerning element of this team if he wasn't going to work out what does DeAndre Hopkins addition mean it means that if Traylon Burks doesn't prove to be the guy that he's shown so much promise um, and and potential to be you're not screwed in in the boundary receiver department if Kyle Phillips simply cannot stay on the field this season, he just, you know, Traylon Brooks is working out. She got is working out, but Kyle Phillips has another year where it's just, this is just one of those guys. He can't stay healthy. It's just a bummer. No rhyme or reason to it. Deandre Hopkins can fill in, in the slot and be a tremendous player as, as an inside or outside receiver. She Conquo. I won't even, I don't even want to, I don't even want to consider the possibility of a couple of episodes ago, I gave my worst case scenario for the Titans and it included Chica Conquo still being very good at football. But if you know, God forbid, maybe, maybe the most likely scenario is he's great for two games and then knock on wood, he gets hurt, you know, season ending injury, God forbid. You're not necessarily going to be screwed over in terms of your production because we've been talking about this guy as you know, He may be your second largest volume receiver on this team this year for Deandre Hopkins comes in. he, he raises the ceiling of, of the talent gap between the top and the bottom, right? You add a guy like George Fant, which the Titans haven't officially done, but all indications are they're going to. Andre Diller, Nicholas petit Daniel Brunskill, Peter Skronsky. If these guys aren't working out, let's consult the depth chart for the Titans, JT. Like, well, if the offensive, like, you know, five guys that are, one of which is not new to his position, although that was before the suspension. Now for the first six games, it will be five guys brand new to their positions on the Tennessee Titans team. Odds are one of these guys is going to somebody has to be the weak link, right? Somebody's probably not going to be that very very good at the beginning. So what was going to be the, the backup plan, or if somebody gets hurt, what was the backup plan? Well, at tackle, you know, Andre Dillard goes down or absolutely stinks. NPF literally does get suspended. You know, what's the backup plan there? We we talked about uh, okay, Jamarco Jones, who has been here for a full season and change now, and he's literally a ghost to even those of us in the press corps. Like we're there at practice and we don't even see him. What's going on? Um, Okay. You've got the rookie, you know, John Jokwu at UDFA. That's not a great proposition. Jalen Duncan, fifth rounder out of Maryland. He's got some great raw traits, but he's really, really raw. Certainly not ready for the limelight yet, in my opinion. Okay, inside, Corey Levin is a serviceable backup, I think, but do you want him starting a full season? I don't know about that. Andrew Rupchich, Zach Johnson, uh, John LeGlu, Dylan Raidens is hurt, right? He's the guy that you would like probably to have in that circumstance, but he's not available, and we don't know when he will be. Jordan Roos, Xavier Newman, like it, it gets really thin really fast, particularly – on the outside at the tackle positions, if you bring in a George Fant, not only does that allow you to have what should be competent fill in play at the right tackle position for the first six weeks while MPF is serving his gambling suspension, but it allows you once MPF comes back and some people have talked to us about this JT. We had this conversation the other day, you know, what if, what if, you know, George Fant signs with the team and he's great through six weeks. What, what do you, I still will be pretty floored if they don't give the job back to MPF. They did not invest an entire rookie year of him at that position. And with George fan, I'd be kind of shocked if it's more than a one, maybe two year rental deal. Like it's, you know, they're bringing him in as a rental. I know I heard from Paul Kaharski the other day that he knows for a fact one way or another, but he said, he doesn't say this flippantly. He doesn't say these things flippantly. He knew for a fact that earlier this spring before MPF was, you know, suspended, the Titans definitively did not have any interest in Noah Fand. Now I'm guessing that has less to do with his talent than it does with, they were just comfortable with what they had because if they thought he sucked, they wouldn't be bringing him in even now. Right? So clearly they don't think he sucks and they didn't have interest before. Now they do. That's pretty good indicator. Like, yeah, we're going to bring him in maybe one, two at most year deal, very much a rental player. He's not going, you know, we're not going to just keep rocking and rolling with him. If he has a good first six weeks at that position, without giving MPF a chance to have his job back. He is a second year tackle who we're expecting to take a leap. And he's a guy that's on a cost controlled rookie salary, which is a pretty big deal. Like we'd like to get the most out of that. And we'd also like to groom him to potentially at the end of that rookie salary, be good enough, have a good enough track record to say, Hey, this can be our right tackle of the future. Let's sign him to another contract. Let's sign him to a couple more contracts. Let's keep him around for a decade. He can be our cornerstone, right? Tackle. Like that's the dream, right? That's what you'd like to happen. And so, They're not going to do that. But that being said, you bring him in. He serves six weeks admirably, does a competent job, a a bang up college, college try job at the right tackle position. And based on what we've seen from him at both left and right tackle in the past, he's, I believe, 30 years old. George Fant is. He's had some ups, ups and downs, but his worst isn't Dennis Daly, fire sale, pound the alarm. Like it's, it's bad, but it's manageable. Um, And his best is certainly, you know, competent tackle play NFL starter tackle play, which is what the Titans are going to be hoping for. You then have a guy in George Fant once MPF steps back into his role, who's a arguably above average swing tackle for when you inevitably need him again later on in the season or and Mike Herndon brought this up. This is a guy that was a basketball player in college at WKU. college and now he's a 320 pound tackle you don't do that unless you're a crazy freak athletic specimen i mean he's athletic composition his dna this dude is a freaky impressive athlete and there's some videos i don't know if you've seen this jt online i don't know at what level but of him running some big man big man routes going out as a jumbo tight end and making some really impressive uh the one in particular i'm thinking of he's running a, a, a seam route up the middle is looking over his inside shoulder back at the line of scrimmage quarterback throws to his outside shoulder and he does what we watched Jeff Swaim fail to do a number of times last year and move, you know, contort his body, use that body control that receivers have to move mid route and, and, and full extension, grab the football. Like it's impressive. They're like, Oh, that's an athlete at 320 pounds. Holy cow. And Mike Herndon brought up that he would not be shocked at all. Assuming the Titans signed George Fant And once MPF, Back back into right tackle. This guy, you know, we've been talking about Trayvon Wesco as your bonus bonus lineman and jumbo packages. Maybe step aside. Maybe this guy is your jumbo jumbo package. Jumbo jumbo tight end would not shock me at all. If they installed some of that for George Fant, because even at 30 years old, he is still a freaky athlete. And so to sum all of this up, what the addition, like, yes, I do think that Deandre Hopkins and assuming they sign George Fant, George Fant's additions to this team, raise the ceiling for this team. Right. I think that we talked about playoff implications for this team. And I felt like without a DeAndre Hopkins, you probably were going to lack the firepower to really contend with some of the biggest firepower stockholds in the in the AFC, in in the Chiefs and in Buffalo and in Cincinnati. But with a DeAndre Hopkins, I think you might could contend if your weapon, you know, if Traylon Brooks and Kyle Phillips and Chicka aconquo and Tijay Spears and Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins all play to their potential you might really have something going there, right? You might absolutely be able to contend. I, I, I do think that those guys, and, and of course the first six games, you may not have a complete disaster at right tackle. And so you you may not be really hurt by that with an addition of George Fant. And so that raises the ceiling of the team for sure. But what is more important to me and my, my overarching point is this, it's the depth that they provide that was needed by this team in order to not be totally screwed when some of these things inevitably don't work out all right getting off my soapbox let's get to some titans news JT a couple of things to talk about the first of which don't know if you saw this titans oilers throwbacks finally not released but leaked we we got some first looks at them what were your what were your thoughts upon seeing these glorious glorious uniforms
2: Well, I just have to I I had to laugh at um, just the timing of this, because literally last night at like 1130 (laughs) p.m., I had a random friend who like lives in Austin, Texas um, or somewhere out in Texas. Like, yeah, you got you got any you got any of those uh, you got any of those oiler throwbacks, picks, leaks. And I was Uh, like, uh, no, I I thought you were going with this. I, I got I have nothing for you. And he's like, "Damn, really?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then this morning, I'm like, "You're not gonna believe this," but Here they go. just leaked. I was like, "Here you go."
1: <laughs> See, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna go in the direction of, "I can't believe they took the thunder away from the Colts, Indiana Knights throw or oh. not throwbacks, alternate jerseys."
2: No, but I, I will say um, that my friend did fall into the to the group that thought that because they were poor, because they are Oilers. Throwbacks and they were pouring oil oil on them that mm-hmm. they were going to be all black. I, I, I'm not moron. I'm not sure where where <laughs> everybody was getting this from that they people were going to be all blacks. I, I don't dumb. I don't I don't understand. I thought it was pretty clear and obvious from the hype video. I thought it was a really cool way to do to to kind it's of a tease it's tease, a tease them. Yeah, yes. um, but I I really like how they look.
1: No, they look awesome. I, I will point out that some people are making fun of and I think to a point, rightfully so oh did you see what they look like like yeah in the 70s like they, it's, <laughs> it's a throwback jersey they, they're gonna look the same or they should they better look the same and they do as they used to look like that's the whole point we're bringing back the old jersey there's plenty of footage out there in fact you can go and buy old school jerseys they sold of the oilers if you go looking hard enough like they exist so we know what they look like and a couple of people have been making fun of that and that's fair But some people are taking it too far. I'm not going to name names or anything because it's more than one person. Don't be a thief of joy, man. Don't be the fun police for a living. Like, there's a difference between people being shocked and surprised by, Oh, did you see what they look like? Yeah, a long time ago. It's the same as they've always looked. But, But you can not be surprised by what they look like and still be excited that they're finally here. Titans fans have been clamoring for this for a long time. Are you, like, don't don't rain on somebody's parade that they're super excited that the Oilers throwbacks are finally here that's totally fine and having a little fun with you know hooray they're here let's celebrate that they're here I want to go get one that that's not out of bounds at all I think so don't don't be a thief of joy that's that's no way to live your life um in other news I, I wanted to just point out you know we, we kind of went through a phase in the spring JT right after Titans GM ran Carthen was hired where it was kind of a the spring of Rancarth on hate. You know, they, the Titans do some things in the draft that fans aren't super pleased with, such as not addressing the wide receiver position until the seventh round, such as moving up in the second round to go and get Will Levis, which really pissed a lot of UT Vol fans off. Um, and there was a lot of, you know, Rand Carthen. I there truly were. Some people already talking about how Rand Carthens already a bust. He's a moron. He's in over his head. He doesn't really talking about this guy. This guy stinks. Okay. Which was ridiculous at the time. We've now moved into a summer of, and really in the last week, Rand Carthen love. Ooh, he landed Deandre Hopkins. Ooh, look at let's, let's write down all the names of the people. He's brought in this off season. Daniel Brunskill, Arden Key, Aziz Alshair, Deandre Hopkins wow look at this list this is a nice look great first off season for the new gm clap it up for the new gm and my point in bringing this up is that and i said this in the spring when people were saying outlandish things that i saved that i was going to just you know pull back up as ridiculous cold takes eventually about how gm rancarthen is a bust already but i feel obligated to say now and it's like rancarthen already one of the best GMs in the league resist the urge to judge a gm before their football team plays football like they gotta touch the grass first the players gotta put the cleats to the grass before you can really fairly judge a gm on their football team and their roster construction skills whether that is good or bad in your mind whether you are criticizing or praising a gm and it's fair to say like hey i'm i really like what ran Carthen has done with this team offseason it's it's equally as fair to say i really don't like what he's done i would not have made these decisions i'm really skeptical but but what isn't fair is people saying rancarthen already a bust all these are bad decisions already before we've even seen the the implications of that decision play out on the field and alternatively the gm rancarthen is a stud already i don't even need to see these players play i don't even need to see deandre hopkins fit into this offense for me to know that he's a stud and he's a great GM well done you you can't really say those things definitively until we see their team play football so resist that urge you can you can be a fan of what they're doing you can um you can you can say that you're not a huge fan of what they're doing but to to definitively judge their performance in the offseason before they play football is foolish don't be a fool um, all right, a couple of around the NFL topics, JT, that if you would not mind being so kind as to walk us through, I just wanted to kind of give some real quick snap reactions to some NFL news this week. What do you say?
2: Yeah, let's let's start off with uh, one little piece of Titans news that we have to do, a bombshell in the Tennessee Titans community here. Oh, no. The Titans are releasing running back Chuck McClelland. Oh, not Chuck. Man. So, so <laughs> yeah. massive loss. The sixth running back on the depth chart here, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, gets his cut. He was a UDFA this season from the University of Cincinnati. Go Bearcats! Um, but he his time with the Tennessee Titans has come and gone.
1: It, it was here in a flash and gone in a flash for Chuck McClelland. Um, I remember being at OTAs about a month and change ago. I guess two months at this point. And, and every day we're out there. You know, we get our media uh roster list handed to us by the team very nice of them this big long extra long sheet of paper of all these guys and so we go through and we as a we typically tag team it as a media one person actually our buddy friend of the show sam phelan developed a really innovative um ec- way to go about this exercise this this spring before we were, we would just kind of like write them down like you know, go out look at 93 got 93 92 75 Um, what he would do we'd tag team it I'd sit there with my sheet and he would get his we didn't have binoculars out there he'd get his iPhone out iPhone 13 3x zoom and he would use that as a digital binocular and he'd just call out numbers and that's eight check 12 check 13 so very efficient but we do that every practice that we can re- that the team doesn't tell us who is and isn't there it's up to us to figure out who is and isn't there and and you know preferably report to you who isn't out there you know oh you know so-and-so missed practice again uh, what you know what's going to you know caleb farley or not caleb Farley? Uh, christian fulton still not here but we got to look for him to make sure he's not here they won't tell us so um we do that every day and in OTAs they didn't it was the same they gave us a new list every day but it was the same roster list except for one day at the end of OTAs one extra guy popped up and you're like "Who? Chuck McClellan who has this guy been here the whole time am I going crazy no this is the first day he's added okay cool and I think he was out there for two or three days that's what it felt like to me at least and uh now he's gone so rest in peace to chuck's career in tennessee best of luck truly to him wherever he's headed but while we do bring this up not just to make fun of a guy who got released which that's not actually funny um it is a good indicator however that the titans you know they're not releasing a guy off the roster not waving him for no reason they they would do that they do that this time of year just so people know from now until the beginning of the season whenever you see a a transaction go one way It's typically in anticipation of a transaction filling in that gap. So whenever guys are released, unless there's something like, you know, just attitude problems or they get arrested for driving too fast, like somebody we're about to talk about, it's going to be because they're planning on bringing people in to fill those roles and they can only have a certain number of people on the roster at the time. So pretty good indication that beyond the report that, hey, the Titans are bringing in George Fant for a workout this weekend and they're assuming they're going to sign him, which is pretty definitive in and of itself. they're making roster room for somebody who I would assume is George fan.
2: Yeah. Let's move on to uh, another topic here. The Denzel Mims free Denzel Mims saga has come to a fitting end here. My boy is free As, as it was reported yesterday that the jets have now finalized a trade sending wide receiver Denzel Mims and a 2025 seventh round pick to the Detroit lions in exchange for a 2025 sixth round pick.
1: Yeah, really, all I have to say on this is that I saw some Titans fans being like, oh, go grab Denzel Mims now. That was, I don't think that was ever really in the cards after they just went and gotten DeAndre Hopkins. They are still happy with the people they have on this roster outside of Hopkins. As I've been preaching all summer, they're more happy with them than you are. I promise. Whether they're right or not, we will see. But um, it is funny to me that, that the GM up in New York managed to get this trade to go through. Because I don't know if you've paid attention to this, JT. Mims has been available for trade, like seven times in the past three years um and no one has bitten and this time they literally said we're gonna release this guy unless somebody wants to trade for him which is always a great trade strategy like hmm should i give you something for this guy that you just told me you're gonna let me have for free if i just wait and apparently the, the lion said yes yes we will and really a, a nothing trade a sixth and a seventh swap or whatever it is but I do think he'll be an interesting... I do think that he's a good player. And in that Lions offense, I can see him working really well as the wide receiver of three or four. So I'm kind of excited to see him. I'm just excited for Motor City Kitties and Dan Campbell football in general this year. How can you not be? I kind of think it'll be an interesting fit, and uh, we'll see how it works out.
2: I mean, certainly he's going to take the spot that Jamison Williams will have early on here before before he comes back. But I mean, he's finally going to get... quarterback not name Zach Wilson to throw him the ball um, or Joe Flacco or which you Mike should hope White, for or anyone a, a, You should um, hope for
1: any receiver at any level exactly, I hope you have somebody right? that's not Zach Wilson to throw the football that that and I don't wish that on anybody
2: I, I do like it with him kind of being around the rising star in Amon Ross St. Brown and a veteran like Marvin Jones I think it's a good deal for the Lions I think yeah. their 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 offense becomes actually really really good um and it's going to be tough to beat them in the NFC North. Absolutely. Speaking of the NFC North, the NFL media confirmed today that Vikings rookie wide receiver, Jordan Addison was issued a citation for speed and reckless driving by Minnesota state patrol after he was pulled over for driving 140 miles per hour in a 50 mile per hour speed limit zone at 3. AM Thursday morning. Um, you know,
0: that's
1: a, uh- not a great start there jt not a great start to your nfl career i'm not usually a super stickler about you know speed limits everybody speeds a little bit hard to justify 90 miles over the limit i think it's a little bit i mean he is a
2: winner so you know um <laughs> can you believe people during
1: the draft process were knocking him for his speed score unbelievable I know, this, guy, right? this, Crazy. this guy has no speed issues Yeah. Um, there's really no excuse for that, right? Like, how do you no. when, when you have to go explain that to your team? Like, hey, what, come on in, Jordan. Uh, so what was going on? Why why'd you get in trouble with the law? There is no good, you know. Was, Publix was going to close in five minutes, and I had to get. <laughs> like, you know, it's almost certainly if I had to guess, it's like got cool new car that can go really fast. As every person, especially male brains, do. Like, I want to go that fast in this car. Let's see what this bad boy can do. First of all, if you're gonna do that, do it somewhere far away from civilization is a good idea at the very least on a in an interstate or a highway not in a 50 mile 55 mile per hour zone whatever it was like that that's like a that's a a small highway like side road you know maybe even a back road that's not a place you should be going 140 miles an hour unbelievable it does bring up um, I saw somebody bring this up earlier today on Twitter you know a number of teams had their interview scores released or leaked for these guys And he was one of those guys that you consistently saw on these leaks, like significantly lower than you'd expect. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, definitively judge the content of his character, but the signs aren't positive so far for the highly drafted wide receiver up there in Minnesota.
2: Yeah, and then our final story today: the commander's sale officially goes through with a unanimous vote. So, Dan Snyder will be officially selling the team to Josh Harris's group. And I believe it's officially new, sold as of a I couple. Is, I think it's done. Yeah, it's over. I think signs a grand national deliver, nightmare. Deliver. Uh, <laughs> Josh Harris's group now owns the Washington Commanders.
1: Good riddance, Dan Snyder. Take a long walk off a short pier. Hope you have a. Bad rest of your life. That's that's really all there is to say. <laughs> Super glad for the people of Washington. I know our our new buddy Zach Hicks, who covers the Colts, who we had on for our Colts episode. He lives in the Virginia area and grew up a Commanders fan. And based on what he's been talking about on Twitter, it sounds like Dan Snyder broke him as a Commanders fan, and like he is a transplant fan of the Colts because, or at least, uh, guy who covers the Colts. I'm assuming he's a fan of the Colts because of that. So I'd imagine he's in fact I know he's not alone there's a lot of people that have just gotten so turned off by that entire organization the dumpster fire that it was really glad for them hopefully that organization can first of all for the love of God get a new stadium somewhere anywhere get rid of that dump FedEx field and then kind of start to build in the right direction.
2: Yeah, I echo everything, you know, I mean, (laughs) at at, at least at least fix your at least your fix. your like uh, the I don't know, the the fence wall between the between the tunnels or about the raw sewage that occasionally falls on people. You know, not great. Not great. (laughs) Not great. Not
1: great. All right. Is that it for Titans News today?
2: Yeah, that's going to be it for today.
1: All right. Well, with that, let's get to our main event today. It is our interview. Finishing up our AFC South preview series last team. We've already covered the Colts and the Jaguars. Both episodes were fantastic. If you missed those after you finish listening here, go back in the feed. Find those become here's Here's the pitch on all of these, right? I've repeated it before, but I'll say it again. The pitch is this. Nobody likes opposing fan guy who knows nothing about what he's talking about. Clearly knows nothing is a moron guy like you don't don't be that guy. Don't be the uninformed chirper. Right. Be the informed chirper. Be, be that guy, the opposing fan that other fans hate because they know what they're talking about. And the best way to do that is to engage in and consume this series in which we're really trying to, for you, the Titans fans, get a good, solid primer on each of your three biggest rivals, each of which you'll play twice this season so that you can know what you're talking about when it's time to hate each of them. Twice this year. So without further ado, let's get to our conversation with John Hickman, host of the Locked On Texans podcast, previewing the 2023 Houston Texans. All right, let's welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. John Hickman, co-host of the Locked On
0: Texans podcast. John, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. I'm doing great this morning, actually. Um, fruit in my system, got my water diet going on. let you go. So- I'm full of energy, ready to rock and roll, talk Texans, man. That's
1: what I like to hear. So we're going through the AFC South little preview series for Titans fan. The pit, the pitch has been this, right? No one likes opposing fan guy that has no idea what he's talking about. So, let's get intelligent. Let's learn about these teams in the in the AFC South you're going to be facing twice a year so that you can be a hater intelligently, right? So that's what we're here to do today. <laughs> and uh, John is an expert on all things Texans, and that's why we brought him in. We're, we're going to start with where we've started with the other episodes in this series, kind of an off-season review. The Texans had a, a couple of marquee moves in free agency and then, of course, had a number of draft picks, including the second and third overall picks, made some news on draft night. Um Maybe we can hit the highlights here in free agency. Maybe the the biggest addition um, is at the tight end position, adding Dalton Schultz from fellow Texas resident NFL team, the Dallas Cowboys. That's got to feel
0: like a pretty significant addition to the offense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And before I go into Dalton Schultz, I would like to say trading for Shaq Mason. Mm. for Houston was also monumental for them. Sure. This is a team that struggled to run the ball the last couple of seasons. They've had vets after vets, not that very good guys, feel that void at right guard. Uh, so I think Shaq Mason and then getting the, the, the extension done with him is important as well. Sure, Love that trade. But Dalton Saltz, man, this is a team that hasn't had consistent good play since the days of Owen Daniels. You've had a guy here and there throughout the past decade, but nobody has stuck. You look at Dalton Schultz in the past three seasons. I think he is a top five tight end in terms of numbers. Sure, uh, two seasons ago he was a top three tight end, I believe that season, and he's had experience playing in a high octane, high octane offense, octane offense, excuse me. But he's also a hell of a runner, right? So he's played yep. in a balanced offense, something that Houston has said. Over and over again, between D'Amico Ryans and Bobby Floyd, that's what they want to bring to this franchise. And so you look at the addition of him, a guy that can knock out two birds with one stone, at that position, you don't have to bank on another guy that you want to use primarily as a blocking tight end or primarily as a receiver tight end. He can do both. Coming in with a rookie quarterback and C.J. Stroud, our expectations for him in Houston is to be that security blanket for your rookie quarterback moving forward in this offense.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I mean, nobody is a a better best friend to a rookie quarterback than a competent tight end, so certainly uh, a wise decision there. Looking at the draft, obviously the the headline was C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr. in back-to-back picks at the top of the draft, and that's kind of been hammered home for months now. Looking elsewhere, um, was there any pick or maybe a couple of picks in, in the Texans' draft that really stood out to you? Obviously, solidifying that offensive line in the second round with Juice Scruggs at a Penn State, adding some help uh, at, at the skill positions with Tank Dell in the third round. Um, w- were there any later round picks
0: that you were a big fan of, and why? I I really like the Juice Scruggs pick, man. Sure. So I just hyped up Shaq Mason. Uh, Who would be this team's right guard? Well, last season, Justin Britt just completely quit on the Texans after week one. Mm. And that forced Scott Quisenberry to step up in his place to play this inner position. And Scott Quisenberry got a lot of flack from last year because of the type of season that he had, rightfully so. Wasn't great. Wasn't good at times. He also had a rookie left guard next to him that struggled throughout the year. Uh, Went through the gauntlet of D tackles, and it was just bad for Keon Green. Mm. Scott Quisenberry was kind of forced to step up, next man up in the NFL. Um, for Houston, they haven't had necessarily a good center uh, in a while as well. So to get a guy like Juice Scruggs, who is very versatile, can play across that offensive line, but I think would be very good for Houston at that center position. For Houston, why that's so important is you got the vet Lambert so you locked in. Sure. You traded for Shaq Mason, got that extension. Titus Howard is a very good right tackle in this league. Only gave up two sacks last year. I believe you're banking on Keon Green to progress, but you're helping solidify this offensive line. And this is a franchise that historically hasn't been consistently good with those offensive line units. You guys remember the David Carr years where Mm in two seasons he was sacked 170 times or so, something cra- like a crazy Broke number a lot of records yeah, yeah. Of records those first couple of years and then Deshaun Watson first couple of years in the NFL as well so this is kind of like Houston's looking at their past and figuring out what they did good and what they didn't do good with their rookie quarterbacks solidifying the offensive line is one of them now he is a rookie but I do like his tape I love what he can do with that center position and I also love him playing alongside Shaq Mason You won't go through the same issues the previous centers had to go through. I also love him playing alongside Laramie Tunsil and tight end. So they're wrapping that offensive line unit up to be very good for the next couple of years for the foreseeable future. That's going to bode well for rookie quarterback CJ Stroud. And I love it the most because that's something the previous two franchise quarterbacks didn't necessarily have consistently was good offensive line play. John, if if I – ask you, you know, what position group
1: on this team maybe has the most to prove or is the biggest question mark going into this year? It sounds like maybe it's not offensive line. Where where do you have the biggest concerns for this team in terms of maybe their top-end talent or maybe it's the
0: depth? So, actually, guys, we know this is a passing league, Mm -hmm. and we see some of the better offenses in the NFL have number-one receivers, sure houston doesn't have a number one receiver we've seen franchises make sure that they pair their younger quarterbacks with top tier talent at that receiver Mm -hmm. at that position excuse me for receiver that is a question mark for me this is something that cody and myself my other co-hosts of locked on texas we just talked about this morning the wide receiver group going into training camp who's going to beat out who there's a foregoing conclusion that third-year man, Nico Collins, will be the number one receiver for this team. Sure. And if I can expand on him just a little bit, Nico Collins improved in every way last season. Yeah. However, in order for people to see that, numbers have to come with it, and unfortunately, that did not happen because of the quarterback play. Right. If you go back and watch the games that he was featured in, there was at least 250 yards left out on the field because of the lack of quarterback consistency last season. And so with that, he's flying under a lot of people's radar nationally and I think locally as well. But he got faster. He got leaner. He got quicker off the line of scrimmage. He became a better route runner last year. It's just I didn't get the ball for you guys to see the completion. So we can go back and look at the numbers and how I affected the game if I'm in college. So. There's a foregone conclusion he's going to be number one, and I think he should be. If not, then that means the better man won. Was that the vibe coming out of OTAs in the spring? That was the vibe. Okay, that was definitely the vibe that Nico is going to step up and be their number one guy for okay. um CJ Stroud, and they've been working on their connection as well. I can't downplay the vet, the ten man vet, ten year man vet, Robert Woods. Guys, I think sure. that if he's healthy, he was healthy last year, just a terrible situation offensively. No kidding. Um, Two years ago was an injury. Before right. that, he was nearly a 1,000-yard receiver. And I think with Bobby Slug's offense, we're looking at a variation of the Santa Hantry offense. We're going to see a lot of motion. We're going to see them be able to you know, take a receiver, motion that receiver, and find a better matchup. That's something that Robert Woods did great for the L.A. Rams. Mm-hmm. And his ability to be able to pick up first downs. like He just – it's a, he has a knack to go get those first downs and convert. Outside of those two guys, what well, we're banking on a a, in terms of where he's been in his career so far, we're banking on a four, fourth man on the receiver depth chart, Noah Brown, yep. here in Houston, a rookie in Tank Dale, mm-hmm. essentially a rookie in John Metchie who's coming yep. off not playing football in a season and a half. Mm-hmm. Beat leukemia! Shout out to John Mechie. what's the, first
1: not not to stop you here? But what is the what's the situation with Mechie? Obviously, he's ready he beat to go for leukemia, camp. which is fantastic. Um, he he's been back working. Is he is the is the
0: report that he's back to full strength, ready to go? All is good. He is ready to go for camp. Okay. And what we talked about this morning is if he is ready to go, don't hold back. Sure. Let's put him out there on the field. This is my thoughts. Let's put him out there on the field. Let's get him every rep that he needs and then some. But you have him, he's essentially a rookie, didn't play football last year. Yep. Xavier Hutchison is another guy that is a rookie. Yep. Um, Amari Rogers is a guy that we consider down here a bubble guy. Mm -hmm. Jerry Wayne is an undrafted rookie from Pitt, who I really do like. Yep. So outside of a three year man and a 10 year vet man, the rest of these guys are a lot of bubble guys, guys that hasn't shown anything. Mm -hmm. My biggest concern on both sides of the ball is the wide receiver room we do believe that this team is going to run the ball a lot this year but at some point in 2023 you're going to have to air it out who can you trust to make plays consistently and a handful of those guys hasn't played nfl football let's talk ranges of the outcome we don't
1: love on this show to talk about you know he, this is the definitive schedule record prediction for this team this is the ceiling for this team you know this team can get to the playoffs but they won't win more than one game. I think that's reductive and silly, and part of the beauty of the NFL is any given Sunday, right? Um, and so we like to talk about things in maybe best-case, worst-case scenario, and then what we think is the most likely thing to happen. So let's start at the top, right? What do you think a best-case scenario for this Texans team is in 2023?
0: Guys, can you do me a favor? Sure. At the end of the year, let's circle back. Please have me back, Come on. Would love to. A circle back because, and I'm I'm loving that I'm talking to some Titan guys. You guys just got DeHop. And at at first, I was quick to write off Tannehill, and I think the rest of that quarterback room is atrocious right now. So it's going to be led out by Tannehill, right? This year it will be. Um, But adding DeHop, I have to remember what DeHop does for average to below average quarterbacks. Sure. And I think that he would at least open up, opportunity for other receivers. So I I just want to say that sure. the best case scenario is a scenario that I've been playing around with since after free agency. And that is this team wins the division. Mm. Mm.
1: Is that, is that let, let me, let me expand on that. Do you think that that would be more a result of the Texans shocking people or more a result of the team's, expected to be there at the top, the Jaguars and the Texans, having or Jaguars and the Titans, rather, having much more disappointing years than folks are expecting.
0: A maybe combination a combination of the both. two. Okay. A combination of both. So between the Jags, I want to go down and break it with every team. Between the Jags, I just have to see it for another year. Sure. Trevor Lawrence, I think, is by far, I mean, mm-hmm. the golden child. He's by far the best quarterback in this division. No Not doubt right. about it, right? Yep. And I think they have the better situation in terms of the franchise right now. Mm-hmm because they're coming off a playoff victory. Sure. They're coming off making the playoffs, and they're coming great off coach. a season. Great coaching. They're coming off a season where they made smart decisions before the season started. Number one, getting rid of Urban Meyer. Sure. Trevor Lawrence also had a bunch of drop picks in last year. So I want to see how he cuts down on some of that risky decision-making. Mm-hmm. But I just have to see it again. And I'm not fully bought in into that team. You guys, the Tennessee Titans. I am, even with what, what I just said about the situation with DeHop. Now, I am still questioning Ryan Tannehill to be able to lead an offense because eventually, at some point, the most, if not number one, top three underpaid player in the NFL, Derek. Henry, <laughs> they've been having this running back talk all week. <laughs> sure. Derrick Henry is one of the most underpaid players in the NFL. Sure. At some point, he can't continue to carry everything. Yep. And what we've been able to see so far, even when they went 12 and five that one year, mm-hmm. they have beat the Chiefs a couple of times. Like when Tannehill and that offense is rocking and rolling, they are rocking and rolling. But I just don't trust – how they're going to change things offensively to give that team a different chance to win games, I gotta see it. Sure, the coach in the Texans, I believe, are in the exact same boat rookie quarterback, uh, um, new coach, rookie head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you drafted pretty well, younger team mixed in with some vets. But if they are healthy, because they still have Quentin Nelson and then they have you know. Shaquille Griff, um, not Shaquille Griffin. Shaquille Leonard. Yep, whatever he wants to, his name is right now. I'll forget yep, yeah, him. yeah, yeah. I'm with um, you, Jack Leonard. I think that between the Titans, the Colts, and the Jags, all three of those franchises are dealing with, I think, very important suspensions right now or injuries right now. True. So for Houston. The shock factor will be: Can you take advantage of what, especially in the first four, like eight games, where you see majority of those suspensions or injuries, uh, mainly suspensions, will be played out? Can you take advantage of those games with some of those guys are not on the field to help swing a game? And I am worried about the Titans' offensive line. Honestly, I want to see how that comes together. Sure. Um, y'all drafted the rookie. I forget his name. Peter Skronsky. Yeah, I, 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 I like him as a prospect i really do so i want to see what he does how's he been in very camp so
1: far? he's been fantastic very likable guy and i mean he was one of the guys in the draft that was one of if not the probably safest pick like the the, the floor was very high the question is is he the best lineman on the line already like if so concerning you know what i mean mm. um there's just a lot of question marks with this team so that's certainly the case if i were to peer into the future john and tell you, yeah, the Texans do end up winning this division this year. It's crazy. And you had to guess the biggest reason why that would be, whether it's a certain player, a position group, a um, you know a certain coach's impact. What would you guess is the number one contributing factor to everything going perfectly this year for the Texans? DBs.
0: Okay. DBs. DBs. We are already in a questionable quarterback division. Like, this ain't the AFC West where – for a while, everybody was good in the division. Sure. I think Derek Stingley is going to be healthy. He's going to play about 14 games this year, 14, 15 games, majority of the season. But they got – they added Jimmy Ward. Jalen Petrie was a monster last year, as you yes, guys was. know. Yep. Between Stingley and Nelson, who should be – unless he's traded, should still be on his roster. Griffin, who was also a division mate last year, played with the Jags. Mm-hmm. The DB room is the most – I think unquestionable room right now. Like we don't okay. have any concerns about that room. I got they you. have talent, they have speed, they have hard hitters. Adding Jimmy Ward, you have somewhat of a winner in the NFL and a smart player who is comfortable in the defense coming over from San Fran, Fran played under D'Amico Ryan. So he's gonna add that element as a vet. And now what I like, you have more of a Situational and ideal, excuse me, depth room. Mm-hmm. Now you don't have guys playing too many snaps. I love Jonathan Owens and his story, but he played way too much last year. Sure. So, like, you got pure, real, pure starters, and then you have guys that can come in whenever you need it. And I think that DB room is going to cause some problems for the quarterbacks. Okay.
1: Now let's go to the other side of the coin. Worst case scenario for this team is what, whether that's a record or whether that is a certain player or players not working out. Is it just that, you know, it's a disaster year for CJ Stroud. What's the worst case for this team?
0: I have two. Okay. I have two. I want to go. One of the worst case scenarios is. During his rookie year. Mm -hmm. Will Anderson struggles. Hmm. Mm. C.J. Stroud was a player that was drafted at two. Will Anderson was a player he traded a lot to draft up and go get. And he struggles during mm-hmm. his rookie year. Makes that move look really questionable if that's the case. Right. right. And and, and that, that move, regardless of if it was a D'Amico move or not, mm-hmm. falls on Nick Casario. Yep. The second one is because they just finished last in the division again.
1: Mm. you don't see any progress the wheels just keep spinning
0: basically right now if they finish last in the division but much more competitive in games right it's about, it's about how it looks right right you know, it's, it's, it, it's about how it looks and you cannot win just three games this year sure so they finish last at six and
1: 11 CJ crowd wins five of his last six you know looks really good at the end of the year poised to make a jump that's different than, you know, winning yeah, four the, games and just being
0: non-competitive. Because if you go out – and because of the moves you made in the offseason, guys, like you won the offseason when you got D'Amico Ryans, the hottest name in, in coaching.
2: No so you there. don't
0: want to have the same issues that you had under Lovey Smith and David Covey. Mm-hmm. So if they go – if they're last in the division, 6-11, 5-12, around there, but you see the noticeable changes – and you have real building blocks to move move on from for the following season, then that's fine. The worst case scenario is the Browns are picking first in the NFL draft. Mm. And I say the Browns because, not the Browns, uh, the Cardinals. The Cardinals, me. there you go. Yep. Because they own the Houston Texans pick. Yep. Yep. The Texans still own the Browns. So that's the worst case scenario in my eyes.
1: John Hickman, boys and girls. John, this was awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time. Anything you want to plug? Anything you got going on right now besides Locked On Texans?
0: Well, uh, before we go, guys, I want to ask. I love doing this. Sure. Yeah, we got time. Please let let me know. If Mike Vrabel doesn't make changes that matter, is he on a hot seat right now? Mm. Or is it like... No,
1: the is, is is Definitely. It, okay. no, no I mean, right. it, and it's not an unfair question. That's a question that's been asked on local radio here in Nashville. So depending on who you ask, maybe there's a different questions. I'll tell you this, John, it, this past nine months or so, it certainly is going to be a, an inflection point for Vrabel in the sense that, you know, he didn't force out John Robinson or anything like that. That was an ownership decision. Um, but He is now in a situation – I don't think it's identical to what the Texans had in Bill O'Brien for a couple years where he kind of flew too close to the sun and ended up costing him his job. A guy that I think was and is a good coach, just a pretty dreadful general manager. With Vrabel, he's not the GM um, in name or in in effect. But with Carthen coming in, being a a first-time general manager – you know, Mike Vrabel has earned the gravitas that he has, right? He's one of the best coaches in the league and uh, has a lot of respect in that building. And ultimately he's the number one guy, like everything goes through him at the end of the day, at this point, any shortcomings, any failings are going to be laid at his feet. And I think fairly so. So I guess to, to your question of, will he be on the hot seat if things don't go well, you know, if this year is, a complete disaster and, and they are last in the division. They're picking highly, you know, Ryan Tannehill flames out the offensive line. Reconstruction's a disaster. You put in one of the backup quarterbacks um, promising young guy, and that's a disaster as well, whatever it, it may be, you know, the, the new offensive coordination just does not go well at all. Defensive coordinator starts to fall off. Like whatever, whatever the issue is that causes them to have a disaster year there's really no one else to blame at this point. Like it's, it's on him. Um, The reason why I say no is because Mike Vrabel in his entire career as a head coach, hasn't really given us any reason to believe he's capable of, of a full dumpster fire season. I mean, his, his worst case was a seven and 10 season last year where they're playing for the division in the final game of the year and they only lose their last seven games primarily because they had historic injuries for the second consecutive year, and he can't control who is and isn't hurt. So that that's really – I guess the, the answer is, yes, if things are a disaster, he will be on the hot seat. I just don't see things being a full-blown disaster for him, if that makes sense.
0: Okay, I like that, and and I, I have a lot of respect for uh, Mike Vrabel as a coach. Uh, I think that the comparison to Bill O'Brien is true. Like He may have had more talent during his tenure with – the Tennessee Titans compared to the totality of the tenure for Bill O'Brien, sure. But those guys don't necessarily have the cream of the crop talented and players like the rest, like the, the Chiefs or the Broncos sure, sure. or you know a lot of the, the Bills, a lot of the other teams in the AFC. So I think Mike Mike Vrabel does a very good job with what he has. Before I leave, I do also want to ask you guys: Will Levis or uh, what's my guy, Malik, Malik Willis? Willis. Mm-hmm. Who, who's going to be quarterback two on this roster? Um, that's a great question,
1: and it's a question that I can't wait to answer when we when I get to go to camp here in about a week. And that's what I think a large portion of August is going to be for us in the in the media here in Nashville. What do those guys look like? You know, in OTAs, the consensus was, and I agree with this, having seen it for myself. Malik Willis was a hair better than Will Levis which surprised some people though I think it probably shouldn't you know Malik Willis is a second year quarterback yeah. Will Levis is just coming off of an off season uh, you know guys coming off hi- highly touted quarterbacks they're spring in the pre draft process they're not working on football like it's all media and getting shuffled here and there and going to the combine and going to the draft like there's a lot of distractions there right and i'm sure CJ Stroud has dealt with the exact same things so I'm not shocked that in May, immediately after being drafted, the guy who's been doing nothing but grinding in the offseason, Malik Willis, looks better than you. That being said, they were very close, and they both were definitively be- uh, a rung or two or three below Ryan Tannehill. Like, there was no question in OTAs as to who the starting quarterback was. Is there a chance
0: – will there be a chance we see either one of those quarterbacks this season? Uh, I
1: would say not unless Ryan Tannehill gets hurt – And not unless the only the only way that happens without an injury, I would say, is like they get to their week seven bye and they are one and five. And there's a lot of talk about you know like what's the season for? You know, oh, you're five games back in the division already. Let's you know let's see what these. I, I don't think that they're going to. I don't think if we see one of those guys, it's because they scratch and claw their way to the top, if that makes sense. I think it's going to be as a result of, let's go ahead and let's move forward. Let's see what we've got in these guys. Let's let them play. Now, you know, a Tannehill injury at his age, certainly a possibility. And so do you see a spot start here and there? You know, he turns an ankle and has to miss a week. And so you get one week of of Will Levis or or Malik Willis, certainly a possibility. You know, it it happens relatively often in the NFL. So if that happens, it's certainly going to be interesting who the guy is going to be as to who they keep. I'll be shocked if they don't keep both guys on the roster. I think that they they see too much promise in both of them, and I can tell you for sure that you put either of those guys on the practice squad, they're they're gone the next day. Um, they, there's just there's too much promise in both of them as prospects um, to to not be intriguing to different coaches and GMs around the league. So I think that they're going to hang on to both of them. If you if you had me guess by the end of the season, who is in the driver's seat? Certainly, my guess is is Will Levis, just because he's you know, take both of them out of their specific situations and just compare the prospects. Will Levis was, and is in my opinion, a much better prospect, especially for this Tennessee Titans offense. than Malik Willis was coming out. There's a reason they both went where they went in the draft respectively. I'm actually higher on Malik Willis than most in Tennessee. Most, uh, you know, fans are very impatient. So they, they gave up on him very quickly last year, despite being put in impossible situations, um, but I think it's going to be an interesting one between those two.
0: Here we go. There we go, man. Thank you guys for having me on, man. I had a blast. Dude, it
1: was awesome. Great getting to talk to you, and we absolutely will circle back. Let's have you back on at the end of the year. Sound good?
0: Absolutely. Sound good to me. And All right, guys. John uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at John yeah. underscore Hickman 12. Make sure you follow us at Locked on Texas. Give us a like, subscribe, and comment on YouTube as well, man. Appreciate it, John.
1: Hey, thanks so much to John Hickman for stopping by. Great conversation with him. Um, before you go, a couple of things. First of all, JT, 500 followers on the Hot Read Podcast Twitter. Clap it up, baby. Love that. Good stuff. Appreciate you guys following us on Twitter. Next goal is 1,000. Let's get to 1,000. Come on. I know that we can get there. Um, but 500 followers is awesome. Thank you for everything that you guys do supporting our show. Um, don't really say it enough. I should say it every episode, but you guys are the reason that we do this. And it's it's a lot of fun um, having an audience and being able to have this community with you guys. So thank you so much. Um, also, if you've been living under a rock, a reminder, we, the Hot Read Podcast, have partnered with Zen Sportsbook, the newest sportsbook in the t- state of Tennessee. We have a welcome code with them, an exclusive welcome code, that if you go to the Apple Store or the Google App Store or uh, the Google Play Store or the uh, Android App Store and download Zen Sportsbook. You can get it anywhere. Sign up with our code HOTPOD, H O T P O D. Code HOTPOD when you sign up. That's the referral code that's going to get you 5% welcome bonus cash back in your pockets on all of your betting volume when you use code HOTPOD. Win or lose for every bet that you place, 5% of that for the first 15 days goes back in your account that you can withdraw not as a free bet or as a, as a um, site credit, but as cash money homie that you can put back into your bank account if you so choose. And then after that first 15 days, you got 3% cash back rewards in perpetuity forever. 3% back on all of your betting volume back in your pocket. Every single month, you're going to get that back, whether you win or lose on those bets. And so we love Zen Sportsbook. They are uh, really doing things differently in the betting space, and we think that they're a fantastic product. Go check them out. I think that you'll enjoy it. JT, next week, training camp week, baby. We're back. Football season is back. We're officially back on the beat. We'll be doing, I think on Monday, we'll do a a training camp preview episode, talk about what we're going to be looking for, some thoughts and comments along those lines. And then next Friday... We're going to be reporting on the training camp because we'll be underway. So until Monday, everybody have a great weekend for producer JT. I'm your host Easton freeze. This has been the hot read podcast. We'll talk to you next week.